Welcome. So glad to have you with us today. Uh, come on in and have a seat. Uh, get your cup of coffee or whatever you're having and lean on in. So glad to have you with us. I'm Dr. Linda G. Ubeku from uh, the continent of North America. I hail from uh, the great state of Ohio in the Midwest, uh, part in a city called Cincinnati, Ohio. I don't know if you've ever heard that before, but uh, we are a tri-state, uh, Ohio, Kentucky, and and Indiana, and I'm in Ohio. So again, glad to have you with us, and I'd like to start out, if I may, with a word of prayer. Father, we just thank you and we praise you for this wonderful opportunity that you've given to us. And Lord, we just bless your name for uh, we don't take anything for granted and we believe in Kairos moments in the earth. And none of us are here by happenstance or uh, by um, coincidence. We are here by design. You orchestrated and arranged for us to be here today, to be gathered, to listen, to hear this, because you have something that you desire to say to us. I thank you that you will go before us and indeed it would be as if you are seated with us and, and if as if, as if you're at the table and you have your own cup of coffee and you're sitting down and having a conversation with us and uh, presenting certain truths to us, Father. So we welcome you. We welcome your presence. We thank you for all that you want to do and all that you want to say uh, in our midst today. And you are our most honored guest. Uh, along with our other distinguished guests that would join us today. All right, then. So again, uh, as I said, I'm Dr. Linda. I'm known to uh, lots of people as just Linda. Okay, so um, yeah, about uh, I'd like to, uh, if I might, just um, uh, title our message and I'll go into it some more. But today's message, uh, June the 10th, I'd like to title this message, uh, Our Posture Positions Us. Our Posture Positions Us. And we'll talk some more about that as we go along. But about three years ago, just to give you a little background of where I'm coming from and you know where the Lord has my heart at these days, uh, about three years ago, uh, he started impressing upon me the concept of seats, tables, and invitations. And uh, that I really began to be intrigued by those words. And uh, one of the um, umbrellas under our um, our umbrella our umbrella ministry is Linda G Ubeku Ministries Inc. But under there there is a platform. Be seated. And our conferences uh, roll out of that, and a lot of conversation engaging community leaders and different things like that. It, it came from that concept of being seated and of this whole notion of seats, tables, and invitations. And so as we begin today and before I unfold, you know, with the scripture and all of that, uh, my invitation is, I believe, to two groups of people. And first and foremost is to those spoken of in uh, Psalms uh, 139 and then in Jeremiah 29, 11. And we know in Jeremiah 29, 11 that, um, that the Lord says to us that, uh, I know the plans that I have for you, plans to, uh, for hope and a future, plans to bring you unto an expected end. And then um, in another place in Psalms chapter 139, um, the psalmist says, 
Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my down-sittings and my uprisings. You understand my thought afar off. You compass my path and my lying down, and you are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but, O oh Lord, you know it altogether. You have beset me behind and before, and you have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, and I cannot attain unto it. And then if we wanted to um, drop down to... Um, verse 14 is the main thing uh, that I want to talk about. It says, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works and that my soul knoweth right. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance yet being unperfect and in thy book, all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. So, you know, in this uh, verse 14 through 16 of Psalms 139, we had an invitation to come to the earth. Uh, the Lord painstakingly took time as to which set of parents we would come from, the chromosomes, the genes, the characteristics, you know, which generation in the earth we will be born in. And that was all because he had a plan and a purpose. He knew the plans that he had for us and bringing us into the earth. So the first invitation was to the creation, to us as created beings before we ever came to know uh, Jesus Christ. So you may not be a member of the family of God, but surely you're a member of the human creation. And God had you in mind when he invited you to the planet by way of your mother's womb. So whichever uh, category, if you're not in the category of the family of God, still listen intently because there's an ancient plan that's over your life and there's a purpose and a reason that you came into the earth. Okay. And so then to our uh, second group uh, is to those that are spoken of in first Peter uh, chapter two, verses seven through nine. If you have your Bible, if you could turn over there with me, if not, you might just listen to uh, what I'm saying. And it says, unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But whenever we see, for those of us that don't know, again, uh, making an assumption that I may be speaking to a mixed audience, and so the teacher in me is going to lay a good foundation. So those of you that are scholars that are listening, just bear with me because I'm after some of the others that may not be. Uh, but whenever we see that but in scripture, it's a flag. It means pay attention for what's coming next. He says, but you are distinguishing them from those that he spoke of earlier. They are not the ones that uh, are stumbling. They are not the disobedient, uh, but they, but we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that we should show forth the praises of him who's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. <clears throat> 
which in times past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So this describes who we are in a nutshell, and it describes who we are and it describes our purpose and what we're supposed to do with all of that. So we are a chosen generation out of all of the generations that have come upon the face of the earth. Um, down through the chronicles of time, in each generation, there is a selection made, there is a remnant, there is an invitation that has gone out to become part of the family of God. His word has gone out, he will not be held accountable. So, so in some shape, form or fashion, an invitation to know him, to know his son since he came, it has been given. And even before Jesus came on the earth, God had prophets to speak of his coming so that our hope would be in him and that uh, by way of us believing in God and being grafted into him, being the children of Israel and uh, taking that whole thing seriously and looking for the promise of one that would come that would be a reconciler, one that the government would rest upon his shoulders. So the prophets spoke about the coming of Jesus and there were many before his birth that believed on him and that was accounted unto them as righteousness because they believed like Abraham and like others, you know, that believed in the promises that were prophesied. And so it says we are chosen generation. We are royal priesthood, royal, kingly, um, you know, set apart, distinguish a ruling class of priesthood. Now, what did the priests do in the Old Testament? The priests had the responsibility. Again, they were selected out of one lineage of the children of Israel. Uh, Moses's brother, Aaron, for those of you that know or may not know, um, his brother, Aaron, the whole pre, uh, Jewish priesthood came out of that lineage. They had responsibilities. The responsibilities were written in the laws and the uh, and Moses, God gave him the laws. He gave him the first five books of the Bible. And so those priests operated according to the mandates out of the law. Okay. And so uh, a priest pronounced blessings upon the people. He pronounced judgments when the people did not do according to the law. It wasn't according to the priest and what he thought was good or not good, uh, met the law or didn't. It was already written down. It was given to someone else. He carried it out. Uh, he also was selected from amongst, you know, uh, he was a special uh, called out not every tribe. This was one tribe and this was uh, a special um, anointing, a special endowment, a special grace that came upon those priests. So we are royal priesthood. So we represent God to people and we represent, we stand in between on behalf of people. So we are uh, a praying priesthood, if you will. We are those that can legislate on behalf of another. We can, um, uh, 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 legislate on behalf of another. We can talk to God on behalf of other people and we can present God to others that may or may not know him. Amen. And we also are a holy nation. Uh, we are a peculiar people that we should show forth the praises of him, which has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so that is the purpose for this chosen generation, this priesthood, this holy nation, is that that should be what our business is always about. You know, just like Jesus, 
it said that he went about doing good, healing all who were sick and oppressed of the devil. So Jesus was always on the lookout for somebody that had a need. And that's what we need to be about. And so, um, you know, uh, that's who we are. So uh, whether we are, you know, a part of the creation, which we all are, or whether we're part of the creation and the family of God, still invitations have been given to us, still uh, seats have been reserved for us, still there is the plan of God. He knows the reason that he brought us into the earth and we are to have impact and influence. And then um, let's just, uh, you know, look a bit at what is the, um, the, or before I do that, uh, just talking about that part of our purpose, uh, is to, um, come out of darkness, that this brought us out of darkness into his marvelous light. This causes us to be a witness to other people that may be in darkness. Our whole earth in some shape, form, or fashion is reeling. You know, it's in turmoil. There is upheaval on every continent. And so the the entire uh, universe, it says, you know, the whole creation with bated breath is waiting, awaiting the children of God. Now, if I might read to you uh, from Romans chapter 8, verse 19, and I'm going to read this out of the Passion Translation um, because it says it a little bit better. It says the entire universe is standing on tiptoe, yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. For against its will, the universe itself has had to endure the empty futility resulting from the consequences of human sin. But now, with eager expectation, all creation longs for freedom from its slavery to decay and to experience with us the wonderful freedom coming to God's children. To this day, we are aware of the universal agony and groaning of creation as if it were in the contractions of labor for childbirth. We who have already experienced the first fruits of the spirit also inwardly groan as we passionately long to experience our full status as God's sons and daughters. So, Amidst all of the chaos, all of the confusion, confusion, you know, uh, uh, amidst pandemics uh, such as we've not seen, you know, uh, most of us have never seen the level of COVID-19. We've not seen this in our lifetime. And so this is a first for many of us uh, believers that that are on the face of the earth. And just take a look at what this uh, pandemic has done to the church. You know, the, the doors of the church have been closed. We have not been able to meet as, um, you know, I don't know, I haven't done the research on that, but I don't know how long uh, that this uh, concept of meeting inside of a building uh, for uh, two weeks, at least two weeks, two uh, days out of the week on a mon- on a Sunday and then a midweek service. Uh, most of us have experienced that, you know, I've been saved for 40 years and for 40 years in some shape, form or fashion or the other, I've met twice a week in a building for a Sunday morning service and for a midweek service. And then here comes something called 
a COVID-19, a coronavirus, and suddenly, you know, for at least two, three months, we have not been able to meet in a service in a physical way. And so uh, what is this that even God has allowed? And what is the context? What is the backdrop of this thing that has happened? You know, we see uh, people, uh, brilliant doctors, scientists, researchers, all of this, and yet they have not come up with any universal vaccination. Uh, there are still people dying from this. All kinds of things are, are real. And, you know, our economy has been affected. Our food supplies have been affected. You know, uh, most um most systems that man has made are overwhelmed on a global uh, realm, you know, with everything that has gone on. And yet, you know, we have just read that on tiptoe that the entire creation. So God, you know, it didn't say just, you know, the children of God are waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. It said the creation itself is awaiting the manifestation, the unveiling with a certain urgency on tiptoe, you know, with a, a certain kind of expectation are wondering where are these? And God has put that down on the inside, that expectation God put on the inside of creation. They don't have to be saved. They don't have to know God to have some kind of expectancy that is causing them to look up for answers, to look up for solutions. And the solutions and the answers are down on the inside of the people of God. So, um, as I said, you know, our posture positions us. And so I'm trying to bridge uh, two things here uh, today, if you'll just bear with me. And so... Um, First of all, we have to know that uh, we belong here, you know, that there is a reason that we came to the planet. Secondly, in real time that we have been, many of us have been saved. Some of, some of us have been saved for a long time. We have dutifully, uh, you know, um, humbled ourselves and we sat on pews and we sat in churches and we served and all of that sort of thing. But we have been equipped, we have been outfitted, we have been made ready for such a time as this. And there's, we have been born in this generation. You were born on the continent, in the country, in the city, in the neighborhood, in the family that you were born in. God situated you there. And then at some point in time, he saved you. He put his spirit down on the inside of you to be light and salt where you are, not just to be light and salt inside of the four walls of a building. And so what do you do, you know, when you can't meet in the building? Well, you be the church. You can't go to church, but you can be the church. You can use your voice. There are so many platforms, you know, that we have available to us today. We just need to be like Jesus. We need to be on the lookout for those that need to be delivered, on the lookout for those that are suffering some kind of oppression. You know, the worry, the even the young children that are at home, the teenagers that don't understand what's going on in their world, and yet we have the Spirit of God down on the inside of us. So no neighborhood should be lacking where believers are. No city should be lacking where believers are. 
and even you know sitting down at tables in uh, many are uh, in the uh, health professions uh, they uh, are in all kinds of places where they can be light but we have to know that we count you know we can't always look on the outside and look to somebody else as to be the expert we have to realize that the Holy Spirit down on the inside of us he is an expert and it's the positioning the posturing of our heart that positions us to have a voice it is the posture of our heart that causes God to release answers to us like he did to a Daniel, like he did to a Joseph who was second in command. <clears throat> we can't make these things to just be Bible stories that have no uh, relevancy in today's society. We have to take the Bible and move it off of the pages and look at it to see how is this relevant in the context of where I live, the people that I'm rubbing shoulders with, how do I make this word come alive to them? How do I get, you know, they're talking to me about their problems and their situations and all of that. I might just be a, a housewife. I, I just might be a teenager uh, in my high school. You know, I don't really know what to do, but the spirit of God inside of me knows what to do. So I want us to take a look at a little man and then, you know, we're not going to be much longer uh, today, but I'm talking about uh, seats and tables, invitations. I'm talking about the invitation that we've been given to come into the earth, the invitation that we've been given as a, cho as a chosen generation, as a royal priesthood, as a holy nation, as a peculiar people in the earth uh, to, to be able to show forth light in darkness. And so let's go over to Luke chapter 19. And I want to look at a guy and... Um, in looking at this guy, I want you to think about some people that might be around you, that might be in a like state and the heart of God towards those people. So um, in Luke chapter 19, uh, starting with verse one, it says, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans. And he was rich. Make note of that. And he sought to see Jesus who he was and could not for the press because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. For today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for so much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. And as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable, because he was nigh to Jerusalem, and because they thought that the kingdom of God should appear immediately. So, I want us to take a look at, and uh, as I said, you know, the posture of our heart will position us 
And here we have uh, Zacchaeus was a, um, a publican or a tax collector, right? And it tells us a few things about him. It tells us, first of all, that he was a chief amongst the publicans. So he was a supervisor. He was a manager. He was a director. He was something like that, if you want to talk in today's terminology, okay? So he was a big wig with his company or outfit or whatever. He was rich. And the thing that we know that many of us know about the tax collectors or the publicans, they were despised by the people. They collect, they collected the taxes for Caesar, for the Roman government. And what they would do, they would collect um, the required amount, but then they would uh, 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 pad that with another fee, another something, and that other something went into their pocket. So they were despised of the people because they charged them more. Um, so anyway, um, he was short in stature and he was rich. Okay, so he was somebody in the society. He was not amongst the common people. But anyway, it was God that had put down in Zacchaeus's heart a desire. And his desire in verse three, it says he sought to see Jesus who he was. So he had a desire to see Jesus. There was some curiosity that had been embedded in him that caused him to take action. And so on a certain day in history that God knew before the foundation of the earth, that he had put this, that Zacchaeus had come down through the family lineage. Don't know what the history was, you know, of his family, but he had come to this place where he was corrupt, where he was a thief for the most part, where he was an extortioner. Okay. And he had this desire down on the inside of him and it positioned him. He ran ahead and he scurried up into a tree so that he could be able to see Jesus when he came. Now, I don't know if he knew it. All he, all we know at that time in the scripture was that he had a desire to see Jesus. But look at what happens. Jesus gets under the sycamore tree. And the moment that he gets under the sycamore tree, whether he, he was in the habit of always looking up and looking into trees and looking around or while he was walking around, who knows? But on this particular day, as soon as he got under the tree where Zacchaeus was, he looked up and he saw him and he told him, come down. Now, everybody knew who he was. Jesus called him by name. He knew who he was. He said, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down for today. I must abide at thy house. Now, this was happening out in public. This was a public setting. This was not behind closed doors where very few people knew. The audience consisted of those that knew Zacchaeus. And they also thought that maybe Jesus really didn't have the, the 411 on who Zacchaeus was because here Jesus was saying he was going to come to his house. So you have those murmurers and those religious people and those people that have decided who should get what and where the blessings of God should fall or not fall. But anyway, uh, Jesus made this uh, open 
honor, bestowed this open honor upon Zacchaeus. And he said, get down from the tree. I'm coming to your house today for a holy man to come inside of the house of a sinner was a big deal. But Jesus decided to bestow upon this man, upon this house, honor on this particular day. And so it was Zacchaeus. It was the posture of his heart. It was his wanting to see Jesus, him wanting to to see who is this guy, you know, that I've heard about that caused him to position himself to be favored by the Lord. I want you to hear me. There are people that are around us all the time. We may see their open, visible behavior, but God does not look on the behavior of men. God sees the hearts of men. And just like he saw Zacchaeus's heart, he sees the most despicable of people around us. And he sees uh, that you know, according to the fact that he knows the plans that he has for those people, plans of good and not evil to bring them unto an expected end. You know, in John chapter three, we know this classic verse that God sent Jesus. He was not looking for anyone to perish. That's not God's heart. He's not looking to beat somebody over the head. He's looking who can he invite in? Who can he help to understand that they've been given a second invitation, not only to have come to the earth, but to become a part of his family, to be washed by him, to be cleansed by him, to have a new lease on life, to have a new way of thinking and doing things for corruption, for hatred, for bitterness, for turmoil, for heartbreak, for heartache, for all of the things that we see on the earth uh, to, to be brought out of them and for something new to come into them and for their destiny to be changed. So the only thing that we have to do is be on as God. God's people is be on the lookout for it and not be like the audience that murmured and decides who gets in and who don't get in and who deserves the blessings of God and who don't deserve the blessings of God, but to realize the heart of our father and to make it our aim and our goal to have his same heart, not only towards his people who sometimes we may favor, but to to uh, also have that heart posture that God has towards his creation. Okay. And so that positions uh, us, our heart posture, uh, looking at someone else at the state of their heart, asking God to show us the hearts of men that are around us. Show us those that want you and they don't even know how to ask for you, Father. Show us those, Lord, who hate themselves, who hate what they've become, who hate what they're doing, but they don't know how to get out of it. Those answers are on the inside of us. That Jesus, that same Jesus that stood under that sycamore tree and invited Zacchaeus down. That same Jesus lives on the inside of us. He is the hope of glory for the world. All right. So, um, let's see what else did I want to say? So, um, you know, um, that we would just be on the lookout for that, that we would uh, use our influence wherever we are, that we will realize that we have the power of uh, God working through us for someone's destiny to be changed, for some father, some mother. You know, if the life of that father or mother gets changed, then the life of that family gets changed. Then the future outcome of those children get changed because as uh, those generational curses are broken, even through knowledge, even 
through light and spiritual truths coming into that family that they were cut off from before. Then in comes life, in comes hope, in comes salvation, in comes deliverance, in comes, you know, the, the, the salvation of future generations. So even as we, we stand, as we're, you know, uh, in the earth and we see all of these things unfolding, I don't want us to be unnerved by what we see. I want us to believe that for such a time as this, I've been born for such a time as this, that I'm, uh, that we, we are like, uh, Joshua and, uh, Caleb and that we believe that we are more than able to take the land that God has downloaded something on the inside of me or in the community or, or family of God or people that I'm with, that we can do our part, that we have the right to represent and have say so. We have been given authority and jurisdiction where we live, that we have the right to speak on behalf of someone else, that we have the right to say salvation is come to your house today and introduce them to this Jesus and tell them about our father and change the destinies. All right. So, um, I believe that that's all that I have for today. Uh, father, we just thank you. We praise you for the wonderful privilege and opportunity that you've given unto us to be a Royal priesthood, to be a chosen generation, to be a holy nation, to be a peculiar people, Father, we thank you and we praise you that we would be able to uh, show forth, Father, that we have been brought out of darkness into your marvelous light, that we would be able to extend that invitation to others, that they don't have to think and live and be as they are, that they can come out, that we could do it with the same uh, bestowing of honor upon them, that you bestowed upon a sinner, that you bestowed upon one despised of men, despised of everybody, he had no honor. Uh, perhaps he even despised him own se his own self, but he was stuck in a job. He was stuck having to make a living. He was stuck uh, with uh, pride. He was stuck with status. He was stuck in uh, greed and, and, and taking more than he should. But in a moment's time, you changed his heart. Not only did he get to see you, but the impact that you made upon him caused him to repent on the spot and say, if I have stolen anything, whatever I've done, just being in your presence was enough to cause repentance to come to him. And so we thank you, my father, that even as you are on the inside of us as Jesus Christ is in us, the hope of glory. And Lord, even as we intermingle with those in our world, those that might be despised by others and rightfully so because of their behavior and what they're doing. But Lord God, you don't despise them. Father, you want to save them. And we thank you and we praise you in the mighty name of Jesus that you want to do uh, use us to do that in Jesus name. So, God bless you. Go forth. Be on the lookout for opportunities around you. You may not be able to meet in your church yet, but you are able to breathe. You are able to go in the grocery store. You are able to, you know, talk to your family or different people on the telephone. And therefore you have the capacity. You have the responsibility to be salt and to be light and to see, you know, whose destiny might be changed by you. So God bless you until we see you the next time. All righty then. Bye-bye.